This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Hope this Wednesday finds you well. I'm Daniel Salerson here from Studio B, filling in all week for Sean Kelly, who is at the Greenbrier for Pelicans training camp. Day one in the books yesterday, two a day's practice. Um, one earlier in the morning and then the other one last night. I believe it was 6 to 8 Central Time or 6 to 8 Eastern Time. But nonetheless, Pelicans one day of practice today, only one practice. It's in the morning and then the afternoon um, team building activities, and I believe just from reading Twitter, it's some skeet shooting up in West Virginia. That should be fun for the team. So a nice uh, Wednesday for the Pelicans, and we'll have full coverage of Pelicans training camp on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans bubble app, and also on today's show with David Wesley. It's the debut of Wesley Wednesday as far as this season is concerned. David will check in. He'll be watching a little bit of practice, then we'll call him up, have him talk about yesterday's practice and um, what to expect for the rest of the week as uh, we get ready for preseason game number one on Saturday. On the Saints' side, another game this weekend, a big one on national television. It's NBC's Sunday Night Football between the Dallas Cowboys and the Saints. And uh, this morning, Sean Payton was on a conference call, and I'll have a couple bites for you from that. First, of course, all about the talk of Drew Brees. There were reports of him throwing on the off day yesterday. Here's Sean Payton on Drew Brees' status. Well, it's going to be safe to say – He's going to throw every day now, um, continue to uh, rehab and strengthen uh, that area of the shoulder. And I, I would say, uh, based on the way he's feeling, uh, we haven't practiced yet, um, but he's done well. He's improved his strength. Uh, you know, I think all of that uh, has been positive, and we'll, we'll be able to gauge now when we get into a full practice today, tomorrow, and Friday. Uh, and have a better idea of uh, you know, to what degree. So one of the questions asked by the media is, how, since Luke McCown did pretty good, does that kind of help your decision-making with Breeze as far as if he's healthy, if he's not ready to go? Uh, here's Sean Payne's answer about playing Breeze if healthy. Back to part of the question was, does it change how healthy Drew needs to be? He needs to be healthy, and we'll play him. And if he's not, we won't. In other words, there's no that, – that doesn't – the bar of – He's, if he's healthy, we play him, you know, and so it doesn't, especially at, at, a, at his position, it's not where oh, he's going to play, um, but he's only 80%. You, you know, in other words, that uh, that's something we, we would never do. And regardless of how the, the two or the three are playing. So, you know, Luke's job is to come in and be able to function, and he, he did a real good job of it the other day. Another person you might see on Sunday, still not sure, but Sean Payton hinted toward it, toward it was Keenan Lewis. Um, the secondary, Damian Swanson playing well, Delvin Bro has been playing well. Here's Sean Payne on getting Keenan Lewis potentially back this Sunday and how that affects the secondary rotation. I think, um, number one, I do see Keenan uh, having a real good chance to play this week. Um, we got to be smart with his first week back, just with a, with a total pitch count. Um, but it's a good problem to have. Uh, we spent about 20 minutes discussing it last night, a half an hour in our staff meeting, and 
you know, we got to look. Obviously, we'll have more than one defensive package, and we've got to find a way to to put our you know our best guys out there. Um, and then, depending on whether it's first and second down or possibly the third down, uh, that could change. And last but not least, let's talk about the Cowboys a little bit. Brandon Whedon making his second start this season. Started last week against the Falcons. Looked good in the first half. They had tw- put up 28 points in the first half, and then none in the second half. Um, here's Sean Payton on uh, what Brandon Whedon brings to the table. Um, I would say this. Number one, uh, I think he's bright. He's got a strong arm, so he's big. Um, you'll see him step in and, uh, really early uh, when Romo gets hurt in the Eagles game. He gets blitzed, hits a slant for a touchdown. I know he's got a lot of confidence in making all the throws, and, and you know you're going to see someone that has got real good pocket awareness and arm strength. Uh, I also think he's smart, and – He's someone that will understand their formula. He's someone that will understand their ability to run the football and how that's going to you know, set up the play action or the down-the-field throws. So um, those are some of the things I see on tape. And, of course, you can catch the full conference call on NewOrleansSaints.com or the Saints mobile app. You'll have a conference call again tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. We'll have that for you onto the show. And then Friday he'll actually speak in front of the cameras in the media following practice so uh, we'll have more saints and cowboys talk on this wednesday david hellman staff writer from dallascowboys.com we call him a friend of the program he will join us and a fun fact about david is he's from the nola area he's a nolan native and he's an lsu grad so one of the many reasons why we bring david on one the preview cowboys and saints and one because he's from this great city of new orleans so we'll have david wesley we'll have david hellman and then we'll get you wrapped up on this wednesday and get you set for the rest of the week uh, with Pelicans and Saints talk. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next, David Wesley. It's a Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Power outages turn your world upside down. You need to know when your power will come back on, and you want to know what happened. The fastest way to stay informed? Entergy text alerts. You'll get prompt updates on when your power will be restored and on what happened. You can even send a text to be sure your outage is being repaired. When the power is out, what's faster than calling? Texting. Sign up today at EntergyText.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. The Pelican schedule has just been released and 12 game plans are now on sale. 12 game packages, including the ever popular weekend plan, allow you to take in a couple of games a month throughout the season for as low as $199. Don't miss your chance to see NBA All-Star Anthony Davis and your Pelicans take on the biggest names in the NBA, including LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kobe Bryant, and more. Visit Pelicans.com or call 525-HOOP and score your seats today. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. 
Welcome back. It's the moment you all have been waiting for. I know I've been waiting all summer for this. Wesley Wednesday is back, and that means also the Pelican season is upon us. David Wesley joins us from the Greenbrier. David, so glad to have you back on, my friend. It's good to be back. It's uh, been a long few months, but uh, out here in the Greenbrier and ready to kick the season off. Absolutely. How is the Greenbrier, by the way? Is that this is your first trip to West Virginia? This is this is my first trip to the Greenbrier. I think I've been through West Virginia. I, I got family in Virginia, so I've been all over uh, Virginia. I played in Portsmouth a few years ago, so I might have been through it, but never stopped in. And, and this is a beautiful place. Uh, if you ever get a chance to get out here, please do. Um, do you think the players are enjoying it? In the, I know it's been a couple days, but you think they like being out there? I, I think. Uh, you know, I think back to when I was a player, and a lot of players don't enjoy places like this. We don't get out and sightsee and see all the things that are available and, and really take it all in. Uh, 20 years from now, they'll be like, yeah, I went there once. I don't remember anything about it. So, uh, you know, I think it's good for them because they, they're with each other and they're away from New Orleans and, and out of all that hectic traffic and having to do this and this and, you know, family-wise. So, uh, it's good to get here, get focused on basketball, and, and get ready to go uh, for the season. It seems like a lot of teams are doing this. I've been seeing some teams. I know the Lakers are in Hawaii. I mean, some of these teams get away from their practice facility just to get away in bond. Do you think most of these players and these teams like doing it this way, just to kind of get a little team camaraderie going? I, I don't. I don't know. You know, I think it's. I think it's good for the players, even though they don't necessarily buy into it so to speak mm -hmm. uh, but as as coaches and staff they all know that you know when you don't have to deal with players being late to practice because of traffic or they don't have to uh, find something to eat because you know every meal here is, is set up for them uh, it it really kind of takes away some of the the things that could go wrong in your own hometown even though you miss sleeping in your bed you have the opportunity to come here and it's just about basketball. And we're out here in, in in West Virginia. There's not a whole lot of stuff to do. There's no parties or clubs or anything to go to. So it's basketball, sleep, basketball, sleep some more. And uh, that's not a bad thing to have. Not at all. Let's talk about some basketball. Yesterday, you know, everyone wants to talk about Alvin Gentry and his fast-paced offense. But at least in the morning practice, it seemed like defense was the focus. What are they working on right now as far as defense? Just a new scheme? Well, it's a short amount of time. Uh, it's very few practices to put in enough stuff to play in your first preseason game. And you want them to be out there and be comfortable and have an opportunity to be successful. But you're trying to get a lot of things in, defensive schemes, offensive plays, inbounds plays, last-second plays, things that you may encounter in a game uh, going out to, uh, to the first game. So uh, they're trying to get a lot in. There was some offense. There's an emphasis on running, obviously, and getting people to understand. Running doesn't just mean, hey, I want to run. You have to be in shape to run. You have to be conditioned to run, and you have to have that mindset. And you have to run with consistency, which he talked about a lot yesterday. But, of course, when we met with the staff in the summertime, there's a huge emphasis also on being a better defensive team. So trying to, you know, find the right time and place for all those things, it's a lot of stuff that they have to soak up, get in, and be ready to play. And, you know, they watch film just now. 
and so they could go out, they watch some defensive stuff, they watch some offensive stuff, and now it's just about trying to get that rhythm so that they're not thinking out there. It's more, you know, just play, and um, and they're getting ready to go again right now. What about conditioning? Is that a big focus because of the different type of offense, a more high pace, you know, a lot of running up and down? Is conditioning a major factor this week in training camp? Absolutely. Uh, I talk, I played golf with Alvin over the summer, and uh, he said that, you know, he suggested the guys come in early because if you don't come in early, you will be throwing up during practice. So he wants them to know that they, you can't, again, you can't just say you want to run because if you say you want to run, then that means you have to run every trip, offensively and defensively. And if you're not in shape, you can't do that, and you can't, and you can't, uh, and you can't perform at a high level. So, a lot of emphasis on running, not just running, not suicides without the basketball. It's three-man weave full court. It's you know layup lines and and long court passes where you run with the basketball. Uh, dummy and offense full court. A lot of running, but a lot of running with the basketball because you have to be able to pass and catch when you're tired. You have to be able to shoot the basketball when you're tired, and so. There's been a lot of emphasis on conditioning with the basketball. I know he talked about this yesterday, and he kind of compared it to being a wide receiver in the NFL. How important is it for these guys also to know, like you said, the route running? And, you know, they're not just running up and down the court. There's a purpose for every place that these players are running in order to make the system work. That's a buy-in thing. You know, you have those players that, that are capable of understanding the bigger picture. And like you just brought up, running as a receiver Knowing that you're not going to get the bat, get the football, or uh, quarterback running the rest of the play with pace, even though he knows he's not running a bootleg out here uh, by himself, he still continues on like he is, so that five plays from now they can run that bootleg, and if the defense doesn't honor that the last four times, now all of a sudden he's wide open, and he gets an easy first down. So. Running the court, running wide is, is so important. Running with pace, even though you may not get the ball, makes the defense do something. They either have to get back with you, and if they don't, then you throw the long ball, and now all of a sudden you do have a layup or a wide-open shot. So it, it's more of a commitment by the players to say, you know what, for the team, I know I have to do this and get it done. What about for some of the big men like Omer Oshik and Alexi Ajinsa, um, two guys that I know Omer kind of had the similar offense in Houston, but is this going to be a, a huge adjustment for those two as far as a different pace on offense? Well, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a huge adjustment just for them. I think it's a huge adjustment for all of them. Okay. But those two big guys can run. Omer Oshik's best season was with the Rockets when they ran up and down the court. He's capable of getting it done. I think this will be better for him because – now you have a big body on the move that you've got to find a way to either get in front or behind or stop his momentum as he's going to the basket. Um, I think this, this, this offense is good for everybody. I don't see any reason. If you're conditioned and willing to run and run hard and, and get to the spots and learn the offense quickly so that when you're in a game you're not sitting there thinking every move you make is just kind of part of what you do, you can be successful. That's David Wesley, television analyst for the Pelicans on Fox Sports New Orleans, and uh, we'll check in with David every day leading up to Pelicans and Pacers game number one. And David's going to make his radio debut on Saturday <laughs> for Pelicans. Are you ready to be on the radio? I'm ready. You know, I like 
being around Sean. I like working with Sean. So uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. You know he's a difficult guy to work with on the radio, right? Absolutely not. I know he's smooth as, he, as they come. I hear his producer's pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah, he, he's decent. I, you know, I've, I've heard bad stories about him, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard some terrifying stories about him. <laughs> That's David Wesley on this Wesley Wednesday. David, we're looking forward to more Wesley Wednesdays uh, in the future, and enjoy the Greenbrier, my friend. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. All right, when we come back, we'll turn our attention to Saints Cowboys with uh, DallasCowboys.com writer David Hellman. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Last year, over 400,000 people from 90 countries and all 50 states came to Auctioner to find the critical care they needed. People who could have gone anywhere made Auctioner their destination for a level of expertise, clinical research, and treatment options they couldn't find anywhere else. Auctioner and our affiliated physicians are renowned for leading-edge cardiovascular care, cancer care, pediatric care, innovative treatment of neurological disorders, and more. Our outstanding transplant program has resulted in Auctioner leading the nation in successful liver transplants for years. And today, Auctioner is partnering with physicians and strong community hospitals throughout the Gulf South to bring access to the highest quality of care closer to home. Find the care you need today. Call 866-AUCTIONER for a same-day appointment. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. It's time to talk some Saints and Cowboys Sunday night football. And uh, we bring back a friend of the program. And I say he's a friend because when I call him, I call him on a 504 number. He's a Nolov native, an LSU grad. And he was, he's was he been on, it seems like, every year now because the Cowboys and Saints uh, play every year. It's David Hellman, staff writer for DallasCowboys.com. David, always a pleasure having you on, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, when the day comes that y'all don't call me on a 504 number, uh, I know it'll be time to move home. We just won't call you when it's not a, on a 504 number. It has to, that's the new requirement. Exactly, yeah. Well, before we uh, we get to the game, and actually, since you are a NOLA native, where is your go-to places to go eat and uh, things to do when you come down here for a game? Oh, man. Well, actually, uh, yeah, I already have a reservation for Friday night. I'm going to Crescent City Steakhouse down on uh, North Broad Street. Uh, kind of a family tradition of mine when I come home. And then, uh, I don't know, sometime before kickoff on Sunday, I'll probably try to make it over to Parkway for a pool boy. Uh, pretty pretty standard stuff. It's funny because, I mean, obviously I grew up there, so there's no shortage of places that I know and places that I love. But when you only have a day or two in town, you kind of wind up going to the more, you know, touristy or more popular attractions just because, you know, when's the next time I'm going to have a chance to get a roast beef or shrimp pool boy? Exactly. Do you feel like you're a tourist sometimes, too, with some of your coworkers who come down with you? They, yeah. they have high expectations for you to take them to some good places? Well, that's the funny part is, uh, you know, all my coworkers are, you know, they're from Texas or they're from somewhere else. So they want me to take them out on Bourbon Street or take them mm-hmm. to the French Quarter. And, you know, I, I think they kind of 
I think they're kind of offended because I usually say no. I'm like, I got my own stuff to do. I got friends to see. Yeah. I got family to hang out with. I'm not trying to take you down Bourbon Street like it's Mardi Gras. Right. Uh, so, you know, I kind of leave them to their own devices. And, you know, it's uh, it's pretty easy to have a good time in New Orleans, whether you're with a local or not. So I'm not too worried about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's get to the game. Cowboys and Saints, both teams coming off of a loss. The Cowboys were looking good. First half against the Falcons up 28 to 17 at the half. And then. David, what happened in that second half against Atlanta? You know, uh, it's we're three days out from that game, and I think people are still trying to figure out exactly what happened. I mean, uh, they were on pace for a franchise record day of offense at halftime, and they had 300 yards, they had 130 rushing yards, and it just completely fell off the map. And, you know, Jason Garrett and the Cowboys uh, coaching staff will tell you that, uh, you know, they just didn't play up the snuff in the second half. Uh, you know, very, very adamant that, you know, Atlanta didn't make any crazy adjustments or do anything out of the ordinary except play good defense. But they ran for negative four yards in the second half after putting up 131 in the first. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's kind of baffling. And people are sitting here trying to figure out, you know, well, it, it certainly seems like Atlanta just kind of keyed on the run because nobody was really afraid of what Brandon Whedon was presenting as a passer. He went 22 of 26 for 232 yards, but if you watch the game or if you watch the replay, you know, a lot of that was underneath stuff, dinks and dunks, the running backs and tight ends. He only had one completion, or no, he had four completions to one wide receiver. He only got one receiver involved in the game plan. Uh, so not a whole lot to respect down the field or, you know, outside the numbers and traditional, you know, what you think of when you think of a passing game. I think the Falcons were able to take advantage of it, clearly. Uh, I think, you know, there were at least eight, if not nine or ten guys on the line every time the Cowboys tried to run, and uh, it certainly showed in how much they struggled on offense. Was it, is it fair to say that the Cowboys got away from their running game in the second half? It seemed like most of their pa- plays were passing. Was that just something that maybe, like you said, Atlanta adjusted a little bit, or is it kind of confusing of why they got rid of or got away from something that they did so well as far as Randall in the first half? Yeah, uh, it's a great point. And, you know, like I said, we, we talked to Jason Garrett about it on Monday, and he was kind of kind of adamant that, you know, not a whole lot changed uh, in terms of what they were trying to do. They got behind the chains on a few possessions. The crazy They ran 19 plays in the second half, which is kind of startling. Right. Uh, and I think they had two, three, you know, they had two, three and outs. So, you know, they had four possessions in the second half, and two of them were three and outs. Just not a pretty half offensively. And, yeah, maybe you could say they got away from the run, but, like I said, I think, you know, when an NFL defense decides to take the run away, uh, they can do it. If that is if that is what they're absolutely keyed on, uh, like I said, having eight, nine, even ten guys near the box, uh, I just don't think you're going to have a whole lot of success, and that kind of proved to be the case. And, uh, you know, I, this, this is more my opinion than anything else, but I just I don't think that a real semblance of a passing threat was there to make Atlanta respect the passing game enough to open up some rest, uh, some running room for for Joseph Randall and Darren McFadden, and I think if not every time, then then three out of the five times Joseph Randall got a chance in the second half, he was stopped behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, it was just one of those things where I think Atlanta probably decided at halftime that that was going to be their focus, is making sure the Cowboys couldn't run and work to perfection for them. You mentioned Brandon Whedon and mostly. Um... You know, short passes, a lot of them going to the running back. Do we expect to see a lot of that um, against the Saints and as long as Brandon Whedon is at quarterback? Uh, I think that is the million-dollar question, to be totally honest with you. Um, like I said, I mean, Lance Dunbar was was the guy in this game plan against the Falcons. He had 
uh, 10 receptions for 100 yards. Jason Witten got involved, but Whedon really, he maybe took two shots further than about nine or 10 yards down the field. He didn't really throw anything outside the numbers, like I said. A lot of underneath routes, a lot of swing routes, uh, and things of that nature. And I honestly think that will be the game plan as long as Brandon Whedon is there, is in there for Tony Romo. Uh, you know, I think more so than anything, they just don't want him to make mistakes. But that said, I think, you know, I don't think you can watch that game without realizing that there needs to be some semblance of a, not not necessarily a deep threat, but just some something to make the defense back off and respect the fact that you can throw the ball. I mean, Terrence Williams was targeted twice, came away without a catch, and, and that's the guy that they really need to stretch the field while Des Bryant is gone. Obviously, it's it's nowhere close to an ideal situation when you're talking about Tony Romo and Des Bryant being out, and it, it makes it hard to pass the ball. But, uh, you know, as cautious as they want to be, as mistake-free as they want to be, I think going forward they're going to need to hit on at least a few downfield plays if they're going to make any defense respect the running game. Is that the biggest factor? Is Whedon making mistakes? Because from what I've heard and what I've seen, I'm no Dallas Cowboys expert, but it seems like Brandon Whedon does have a good arm and is capable – of throwing the deep ball, is it not having Des Bryant that also hurts uh, that deep threat? Yeah, no, he he does. He's got a, a cannon, and, and he can throw a really pretty deep ball. And like I said, I think more so than anything, uh, they they don't want him making mistakes that are going to put them in bad positions. When you consider how good their running game typically is, how vaunted their offensive line is, and, and he actually he, he had one bad decision against the Falcons. He threw a really boneheaded mm-hmm. interception in Cowboys territory that led to a Falcons touchdown. So I think that's what they're worried about. And, yeah, I think, you know, it, it does make it hard to have a downfield game. Obviously, I mean, Des Bryant is such a mismatch uh, that not having him certainly makes it hard on any quarterback. But, um, you know, I don't think that's an excuse for for the complete lack of, of a of a downfield game that, that we saw against Atlanta. And, and like I said, not necessarily, you know, bombing away, but just right. being able to open the defense up. And like I said, um, I'd have to go back and watch the tape, but I think you'd really struggle to find more than maybe one or two balls on Sunday where he was throwing it more than about 10, 12 yards downfield. Absolutely. Let's talk about this Cowboys defense along 75 points first three games. What have you liked so far about this defense in the first three games? And what have you not liked from this Cowboys D so far? Well, you know, if we had had this conversation last week, we would be talking about how utterly dominant they were. Right. Um, you know, in the first two games, they gave up, you know, they gave up an, one offensive touchdown to the Eagles, which was long after the game was decided. They gave up one offensive touchdown to the Giants, which was set up on the one-yard line after an interception return. So they were playing lights out, uh, and, and <laughs> a bit of a departure from the Cowboys off, it just got away from them mm-hmm. after halftime. I mean, they were actually playing – Pretty pretty damn well there in the first half against the Falcons, and then you know Devontae Freeman, the, the Falcons running back, finished with 200 all-purpose yards. Julio Jones obviously torched them in the second half. I think Atlanta was nine of 14 on third down, so they were really doing basically whatever they wanted. Honestly, after struggling struggling a little bit in the first half, so um, you know I think you know Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett will tell you you know they absolutely they did not play the run well enough. A lot of that has to do with, with some personnel losses. Jeremy Mincy sat out that game. They're obviously without Greg Hardy for one more game while he faces a, a four-game suspension. Um, so they're, And Rolando McClain is another one who's facing, uh, serving a four-game suspension. So they're definitely shorthanded, but they were shorthanded against the Giants and Eagles and much looked much better. So, uh, again, whether it's a case of second-half adjustments, you know, 
my personal opinion is that they probably got a little bit worn out because the offense wasn't doing very much to help them get off the field. Uh, but that's not a great excuse when you consider how many yards and how many plays that, that they gave up against that Atlanta offense. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, obviously, you know, Saints have had a potent offense, you know, for the last decade or so, and especially if Drew Brees plays, then you've got, you know, a fantastic quarterback calling the shots back there. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they respond to that and, you know, whether they play more like the first two weeks or more like this last game against Atlanta. I'm glad you mentioned Drew Brees, and I don't know if you you might not have the answer to this yet just based on one, we don't know if Brees is going to play. Um, he did throw yesterday, but that was without practice. Um, does the game plan as far as Cowboys defense, does that approach change any differently when preparing for Brees or Luke McCown, or are they just going to prepare as if, you know, Drew Brees is going to play? Jason Garrett's probably all-time favorite catchphrase is that, you know, we focus on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Cowboys focus on on what they can do, on what their game plan is. Uh, you know, they're not worried about who who will or won't play for the opposition, or if they are worried about it, they're certainly not going to say it publicly. Um, I really don't expect much to change. Rod Marinelli's defensive game plan is all about simplicity and playing fast. Uh, actually, uh, we talked to, to the former Saint, Corey White, uh, yesterday, and he was just kind of joking about, you know, the difference between how small Marinelli's playbook as opposed to how big Rob Ryan's is. Uh, and, and that's kind of the, the key is, you know, keep it simple and, and, you know, make it so your defenders can play as fast as possible. Uh, you know, they're obviously going to want to pressure whoever's back there. Uh, and they don't move their defensive backs around a whole lot. Uh, they like to kind of keep them in the same spots, uh, you know, regardless of, of who's doing what on offense. So, obviously, you know, whether or not Breeze plays is going to be a huge factor in this game. But I don't think the Cowboys are going to change too much based on, you know, who's calling the plays. Should be a good one on Sunday night. That's David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com. David, um, thanks for the time, and enjoy your uh, trip back down to NOLA. I'm, I'm glad you're going to have to get to come back here again, and uh, we'll talk to you on Sunday. Yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. No problem. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition next on the Black and Blue Report. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit in a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to firm up for summer or last longer in the gym, make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. If you're looking to purify your diet, hurry in and try our new Nutty Super Grain Vegan Smoothie. Made with almond milk, Sun Warrior Protein, Super Grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. All right, that was a good Wednesday show, in my opinion. Big thanks to the Davids, David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com, and David Wesley, Pelicans television analyst, for joining us on today's show. On tomorrow's show, as usual, we'll have Jim Henderson on to preview Saints and Cowboys, whether it's me interviewing him or Sean. Uh, we still will have Jim Henderson, even though Sean is up 
at the Greenbrier. That's what technology is for. Sean can dial in from anywhere, and uh, we might be able to have him. If not, hopefully it's a tough shoes to fill with that Sean and Jim interview, but I will do my best. And, of course, we'll continue some Pelicans talk from the Greenbrier. Sean and David will have an update from practice, as well as we'll hear from some of the players as we get ready for Saturday's preseason action against the Indiana Pacers. That tip time is at 6 p.m. Central, 7 o'clock Eastern time. And um, we'll have it on WRNO 99.5, the new flagship for the Pelicans and the Pelicans Radio Network. Make sure you log on to pelicans.com um, to find out where your affiliate might be around the Gulf South. And um, also tomorrow, we'll have more on this tomorrow, but the Alvin Gentry Show makes its debut on 99.5 WRNO. Uh, we had it all last year with the Coach's Show every year, and this year it's with, of course, head coach Alvin Gentry. So Sean will have an in-depth interview with Coach from the Greenbrier, and we'll have that for you 7 o'clock Central Time on 99.5 WRNO. Again, more details on tomorrow's show. So Jim Henderson, lots of Pelicans talk as we get ready for the weekend. Big weekend here in the Big Easy with the Pelicans on the road. First preseason game and the Saints and Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday, and until tomorrow, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.